0: Welcome to the Freedom Church Podcast. We are so glad that you are investing in your relationship with the Lord by listening to this message. Check out our YouTube channel for a complete log of all of our sermons. If you would like to know more about FC, visit our website at www.freedomfamily.us. God bless and remember that the best is yet to come.
1: Terrell, thank you for your trust in letting me be with your people today. And it's exciting to finish up this series. And today we're going to be talking about your treasure. And the truth is, is all of us have treasures, don't we? We have a God who's the giver of all good gifts, and all of us have been blessed, especially those of us here in the United States, compared to the rest of the world. We have unbelievable amount of treasure. And so, what does the Bible say about being good stewards of that treasure? The first thing that it says is that we're to make our own treasure. In 2 Thessalonians, the third chapter. In verse 10, it says this, it says, "'For even when we were with you, we used to give you this order, that if anyone will not work, neither let him eat.'" Now, that sounds pretty harsh, but think about it. It doesn't say if you can't work, because there are some folks who can't work because of their health or because of their particular job situation. It says, "'Those who will not work.'" And very very frankly, this is a Scripture that uh, we need to hear in the United States of America. Uh, Every once in a while, the government gets real crazy and giving away money to people who can work, but who choose not to work, and as a result, it hurts our economy, doesn't it? And what it says here is that we're not really helping people when we do that, we're enabling people. And yet, there are people who can't work, and for those, we need to to provide that kind of benevolence. By the way, I will say this, if you're out of work right now and you can't work because you don't have a job, your full-time job is to find a job. And you ought to be putting 40 hours in a week trying to find a job or get prepared for a job. It's not a time to live off of others. And so, that's the first thing. We all know that. We're to make our treasure. But the second thing the Bible tells us is that we're to make a plan for our treasure. In Luke, the 14th chapter, one of my favorite verses, by the way, it talks about the fact that we need to make plans. And those who don't... uh, plan uh, get in trouble. It says here, it says, for which one of you, when he wants to build a tire, does not first sit down and calculate the cost to see if he has enough to complete it. Otherwise, when he's laid a foundation and is not able to finish it, all who observe will begin to ridicule him. So, we're to have a plan for our treasure. And the Bible says that there are four parts to that plan, and the order of that plan is important. First of all, it says the first part of that plan is... that we should give. And the second part of that plan is that we should save. The third part of that plan is that we should reduce debt. And then the final last part of the plan is to determine our level of lifestyle. So, let's look at each and every one of those. First of all, the first part of God's plan is that we would give. In 2 Corinthians, the ninth chapter, uh, verse seven and eight, it says this, it says, let each one give just as he has purposed in his heart. In other words, this is not accidental, not grudgingly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver, and God is able to make all grace abound to you, that always having all sufficiency in everything, you may have an abundance for every good deed. And then in verse 10, it says this, now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. Now, let me just stop real, real quick and just say that some of you are thinking, oh my goodness, every time I come to church, they talk about money. First of all, I would be embarrassed to admit that you come to church so few times, okay? Because we don't talk about it every week. And The last time you came, we talked about money. It's been about a year since you've been here, okay? So I'd be embarrassed to admit that. The second thing, though, I need to quickly say—and you guys who have been around here for a while, you know this, but some folks are new to us—God doesn't need our money. This is not about raising money. In fact, you know, Marsha and I uh, have been married—last August, we were married for 50 years, all right? I'm pausing so you can clap, because I think I deserve that clap. And I know Marsha does, all right? Now, when we first got married, we, had, we dated all through high school. We're uh, childhood sweethearts. So we dated all through high school. And we went off to college and we got married the, the year after our freshman year in college. And very frankly, Marsha, my wife's parents, were very worried that Marsha wouldn't finish her college education before we had our first kid. So we promised, hey, We will make sure, before we have any kids, that Marcia graduates from college, and we kept our commitment. She walked across the stage at Hardin-Simmons University and received her diploma. She was five months pregnant when she did so. (laughs) All right? Nothing like strategic timing, okay? But you know, before we had kids, I remember we were both holding down jobs, we were both going to school. And I remember looking around one day, and the house was in a mess. It was terrible. There were were clothes piled up in the laundry room. There were dishes in the sink. Our bed wasn't made in. And I'm kind of a strategic person. That's just how God wired me. And so, I came up with a plan. Came to Marsha, and I said, hey, I've got a plan to get our house all straightened up. She said, great. And I said, here's the plan. Let's have kids. That'll solve all this, right? Now, we're all laughing, especially those of us who are parents, because you know that you don't get your house cleaned up because you have kids and you say, okay, your chores are dishes, and your chores is laundry, and your chur- chore is to make bed. In fact, it got a little messier. But you know what's interesting? We did have two girls they are grown now and have given us five grandkids. When they were growing up, we gave them chores. They made their own beds. We, they took turns cooking on different days and washing the dishes and and we taught them how to do laundry so that when they went off to college, everything didn't turn pink. You know how that happens, you know, when you, mark, you, you wash the, the lights with the darks. And, and they knew how to boil water when they left home so they could make the ramen noodles at college. Now, why did we do that? Because we wanted our kids to grow up and be responsible and be able to care for themselves and not be a burden for the, all of their life on someone else. You, do you know why God asked us to give? It's not because God is interested in raising money. He's interested in raising his kids. And he asks you and I to give because every time we give, we give away a little bit of our selfishness. Every time we give, we get mature and we become less self-centered and we become the kind of people everybody wants to be around. That's why God asks us to give. God doesn't need our resources. Uh, so many times when we begin to talk about faithfulness and giving, we think that God wants something from us. And that's not really the point. It reminds me of this lady who went to have her car fixed and found out she was going to spend the whole day in one of those terrible little dirty waiting rooms. Have you ever been there where all the furniture is rickety and there's nothing to eat? Maybe there's a vending machine in the corner. She was stuck there for the day and she went over and she got herself some cookies out of the vending machine and she sat down at a little table. Well, after a while, she reached out to get a cookie from the middle of the table, and the man who was sitting, another man who was having his car worked on, was sitting there across the table. He grabbed a cookie. She looked at him like, how dare you? And and she eats her cookie, and then she starts to reach for a second cookie, and he reaches for a second cookie. Now she's really upset, and there's one cookie that's left there, and before she can grab it, he grabs the cookie, smiles, the biggest smile, breaks it in half, and gives her half of the cookie. She storms away from the table, only to see that her cookies are still in her purse. She was eating his cookies. Now, some of you are thinking, the church is trying to get my cookies, and the first thing that you and I have to realize is they're not our cookies. Everything that you have, everything that I have comes from a gift from a gracious God. They're his cookies. and He's letting us use them. And he's asking us to give a little bit of what we have to make a difference in this world. There in 2 Corinthians, the ninth chapter in verse seven, it says this, it says, let each of you do just as you have purposed in your heart. It's not an accident when you give. You give intentionally, and everyone in this room is being intentional. Maybe you haven't thought about it, but you're being intentional about what you're giving or you're not giving. Every single person in this room is at one level of giving on the generosity ladder. Now, some of you are on the bottom rung. Some of you are giving nothing right now. There are people in this room who who come here every week, and you're blessed. You're enjoying the heat that's here, the big screen, uh, the message, the music, everything. You give nothing. You've never given a dollar in your life to anything outside of your own selfishness. You give nothing. Now, let me just stop real quick and say, if you're not a believer, we expect you to give nothing. Okay? You're welcome here anytime you come. But once you come to be a part of the family, we're going to give you chores. We're going to ask you to participate. And so I want to challenge you, if you call the name of Jesus as your Savior, that you move from the bottom rung, just one baby step up. Would you do that today? Would you decide before you leave today, you're going to move from nothing to something. Something. Now, back before COVID, we passed the offering plate. Remember that? And now it's got the COVID cooties on it, so we can't pass the offering plate. You have to drop your offering in a little box at the back but remember when you used to sit there and the offering plate would start coming your way during the service and you could begin to hear the louder and louder the the music from the the soundtrack from the jaws movie as it got closer and closer and you thought i've got to put something in there that doesn't bounce out or make a noise and so you're looking for a one dollar bill you're hoping you can find a one dollar bill so you can go and put your dollar bill in there you'll put a five in there if you absolutely have to In other words, you spend more money on your lattes every week than you invest in the kingdom of God. In other words, you're one of those emotional givers that the church has to show pictures of starving kids or talk about people burning in hell for you to finally get a little tear in your eye and and to throw some money in. In other words, you're tipping God. That's where some of you are today. And And by the way, you think you give a whole lot more than you do. You're remembering a gift you gave three years ago, I guarantee you. Okay? I'm going to challenge you to move from that lower step up just one baby step, just one little baby step. You can do this. Really, you can, and move from something to what I call significant. You say, wait a minute, Steve, what do you mean significant? Here's how I define a significant gift, some percentage of your income. It might be 2%, it might be three, it might be seven, you and God get together and figure out what it is, but instead of giving emotionally and reactive, to give intentionally and proactive. Now, let me tell you what's going to happen when you do that. First of all, you're going to have to pull out a calculator to figure out, okay? We make $43,000 a year, so what's 3% of our income? You have to figure that out. What is that a month divided by 12? When you do that, all of a sudden you consider how God has been good to you, because I'm going to tell you something, you're making more than you probably made three years ago. And as you're upwardly mobile in this United States, as you become upwardly mobile, the second thing happened, not only do you recognize how much He's blessed you, but you're going to give more as God blesses you more, automatically. See, some of you have been given the same gift for the last 10 years, and your income's gone up, but your generosity hasn't gone up. So, when we give significant, we give some percentage of our income. Now, some of you are there. You didn't think about it as a percentage. You've been given $250 a month for the last 10 years. That you figure out it's two percent or whatever i'm going to ask you to take a baby step to move from significant giving to what i call threshold giving you say what is threshold giving threshold giving is the first 10 percent of your income now some people use the word that's in the bible called tithe but i don't use that word when i describe it to people who aren't giving Because most of the people who, let's go back down a few steps, who throw that $1 bill in there, they call that a tithe. That ain't a tithe. The word tithe means tenth. And if you're giving a significant gift right now, in other words, you're reflecting your gratitude for the fact that you're making more and you're giving a percentage, I'm going to ask you over the next couple of years, it may take you two or three years, but you start moving that percentage up until it gets to 10%. Now, why is 10% important? 10% 10% is important because we have an example of it in the Bible. Back in the Old Testament, they gave actually three different kinds of threshold gifts. First of all, they gave 10% to the theocracy or the government of their day that was happened to be run uh, by the church. And that was a tie. That was 10% of their income they gave to run the government. Don't you wish our taxes were just 10%, okay? That's what happens when God's in charge of a government, okay? The taxes go down. And then they had a second tithe that they gave to the church, that gave to the priests to run the church, to to care for the church, and to share the love of God. That was ten percent. And then the third tithe they gave, they gave once every three years to the poor. In other words, they gave about twenty-three percent to support the government, the poor, and the church. And so we have an example of supporting your local church at ten percent. Now the other reason we give threshold giving or a ten percent. It's because it's representative, 10% is representative that this is what I give to you, God, but I recognize the fact that you gave it all to me. It's symbolic, 10%. And I am responsible for using the other 90% in a way that glorifies you. The other reason we give 10%, and I call it the threshold, because it's at that point, that threshold of 10%, that it begins to affect you. You remember why we give? Not because God needs our money. We give because we need to give. And at about 10%, it becomes large enough without hurting you, but it becomes large enough to affect your values, to give away your selfishness, for you to have to say, I value or I worship, I put a worth on my relationship with God and what He cares about in this world. Now, some of you are at nothing. Go to something. Some of you are at something. Go to a significant gift. Begin to percentage what God has done for you. And then those of you who are doing that, I want to encourage you in the next two or three years to get to threshold giving because that's when you get changed. Now, some of you are already at threshold giving. Some of you grew up in a, in a home like I did where I was taught that if I made $10, you give a dollar. If I made $100, you give $10 to the church. I did that all my life, and it was kind of routine. It was kind of legalistic there's a top level and that's called spirit led sacrificial giving that's when after you bring the first 10 percent to your local church that's ministering to you and your family and trying to reach your community for christ that you begin to ask god the question how much is enough don't need a bigger house i don't need a nicer car i don't need a third vacation And as God blesses me and I'm able to make more, at what point do I draw the line and say, anything I make above and beyond this, I want to give away to others who are less fortunate than I am. Spirit-led sacrificial giving is where you begin to pray about giving to a neighbor who is in need or a a relative who's lost their job or give to this, like this annual offering that we take every year here to to help ministries around the world. Uh, You begin to help a young person uh, give to their mission trip. That's where the fun starts, by the way, guys, when the Spirit of God leads you. Now, here's what happens, though, many times in church. What happens is, is we're given 10% to our local church, and then somebody comes along and talks about the orphans in Africa and everything, and we're moved emotionally, and we say, oh, and we take some of the money we were given to our church, and we give it to the orphans, and we think we gave a new gift. We didn't give a new gift. We gave away our church's money got to be careful of that we play little mind games don't we and we're not giving any more we just spread it out to make ourselves feel better whereas spirit-led sacrificial giving is where you bring the tithe into the storehouse and then above and beyond that you give as god's spirit leads you to give out of your excess not out of the church's need does that make sense so where are you on that step? Here's my challenge to you. If you don't get anything else today, don't come and just listen to a message and nod your head, leave this place and make a commitment. And everybody here can, except for those who are already at the spirit led sacrificial giving that are giving threshold giving to their local church. Everybody can move up a baby step, not challenging you today to flat footed jump from the bottom floor all the way up to the stage in one big jump. That's not what I'm asking today. But every year, every follower of Jesus who calls this their church ought to take a baby step toward obedience and the better life because it's more blessed to give than receive. Some of you know that. Those of you who don't know it are the ones who are not giving in a God-honoring, biblical way. It starts a good plan. It starts with giving. And guys, if you don't have a plan for your money, there's some people in this world who do have a plan for your money. Did you know that? And if you don't tell your money where to go you're going to wonder where it went and some of you're having financial trouble today because you have not started with intentional giving as god has set forth so it begins with giving the second thing is saving now when i was a kid i was again i was blessed to have parents who taught me about giving when i was a kid and i remember i went out and mowed my very first lawn i mowed the front i mowed the back we edged and we swept And gathered up the clippings and i got ten dollars that tells you how old i am okay and i remember i brought home a ten dollar bill and my dad said steve what'd you what'd you get paid i said i got paid ten dollars and he said do you know what you're gonna do with that ten dollars and i said i got a pretty good idea i had all the time in the world i'd spent that money ten times over as i was mowing that lawn going back and forth and dad said well let's do this and he took my ten dollars and he changed it for me into a five and five ones and he spread it out on the kitchen table now i was smart enough to know that i didn't lose anything i had the same ten dollars but then my dad took a finger and he put it on one of those dollar, dollars and he slid it off to the side and he said steve you know what you're going to do with this dollar and i said no sir he said sunday when we go to church you're going to take that dollar and you're going to put it in the offering plate and what you're gonna do is it's gonna be a part of your worship and what you're gonna be doing is saying, God, I could not have mowed that lawn if you had not given me eyes to see and a breath to breathe and legs to walk. And guys, I'm just a kid, but that makes all the sense in the world that I would thank God for letting me mow that lawn. He was the one that made that possible. And I'm thinking, okay, this is God's plan that I just have to give him a dollar of the 10. This is a pretty good deal. I get to keep nine he could have done the 50 50 thing he could have made us give half back to him but he didn't he just asked for one i said this is great then my dad took his finger and he hit a second dollar and he slid it off to the side and then i started to worry <laughs> he said steve what are you going to do with that dollar and i said no sir i don't he said you're going to take that dollar down to the trinity savings and loan there on buckner boulevard and you're going to open up a savings account every time you put a dollar in i'm going to match it with a dollar every time you put 10 i'm gonna put 10 in because one of these days steve you're going to want to drive a car i know enough about you to know that you're going to want to drive a car and if you drive a car you're going to buy half of it you're going to pay for half of it your mom and i didn't get to go to college but in this day and age you probably not not necessarily but probably you're going to have to have a college education and if you're going to go to school your mom and i can't afford to pay for all of it, you're gonna pay for half of it. And the money you're putting in right now is going to pay for that car, half of it, and it's gonna pay for half of that college education. And you know what? We went down that day to the Trinity Savings Loan and I put a dollar down and my dad matched it with a dollar. I opened up my savings account, it had $2 in it. I don't even know if they'd let you do that today. I'm not sure they'd let you do it back then, but dad probably called ahead and made arrangements for it. But I walked out there with my little green Savings account book, and I had two dollars in it, and it grew and it grew and it grew. And one day I did buy a car, I paid half of it. One day I went to college and I paid for half of my college. Thought my dad was bluffing, but he wasn't. And it was one of the best lessons that my dad's ever taught me because he taught me that if you'll plan ahead, if you have a long enough runway, you can purchase anything you need to purchase provide for anything you need to provide for. What he was teaching me, it was so valuable, he was teaching me what I've come to call the 10 10 plan, where you give God the first 10% of whatever you receive, you save 10% so that when you need to buy something, you don't borrow somebody else's money and pay anywhere from 13 to 21% interest to use somebody else's money because you didn't think ahead to save. And then you can live on 80%. And I found you can live in this United States of America, you can live on 80% of what you make. Now, some of you, I realize in a, in a crowd this size, some of you are not on the 10, 10, 80 plan. Some of you are on the zero, zero, 142 plan. By the way, how's that working out? It's not. Average person in this room has about a $14,000 debt to a credit card company, and you're paying them money to use their money because you didn't go God's way. And did you realize that when you get to the end of life, when you get old, when you get to be an old man like me, you're going to have less stuff. If you really care about stuff, you're going to have less stuff because you're going to spend an inordinate amount of your money paying for somebody else's money because you didn't do it God's way. That's just stupid. Can we say stupid in church? That's just dumb. God's way is a better way. It's the 10, 10, 80 plan. And then let me just tell you this. I know some people who are not living by the 10, 10, 80 plan who are following God. They're living by the 20, 20 60 plan. They found out you can live on 60% of what you make in these United States of America. And they are the most generous people I know who are making a difference. They're sending money ahead of themselves to heaven. They're going to be people that are going to say thank you like Pastor T talked about over and over and over again. And they're sa- they've saved enough money. They can go anywhere they want, do anything they want. Although they're not really stuffed people that much because they're not addicted to all that guys that's a possibility now i'm not suggesting that you move toward the 2020 60 plan but i am suggesting very strongly today that you believe and trust god enough to move to the 10 10 80 plan it would set some of you free you'd have less arguments in your home about finance you'd have less sleepless nights i slept really good last night i really did And part of the reason is because I had godly parents who read the Bible and then taught me what was in the Bible and they modeled it for me. By the way, some of you are teaching your children a sick way of handling finances. That is not a gift you want to give your kids. Not a gift you want to give them. First of all, we give. Second of all, we save. The third part of making a plan for your money is to pay off your debt. Some of you are in debt. You can get out of there. There was a path you took to get in debt. There is a path you can take to get out of debt. All you do is you look at all your, you got a credit card here, you got this car payment here, you got this here, and you look at them and you take the very smallest debt that you have and you make the minimum payments that everybody is asking for everything else, but then you take and you stop doing some things. You say, hey, we're not going to go out to eat until we get this smallest debt paid off. Hey, we're not gonna take that second vacation, or we're gonna do a staycation this year instead of going somewhere, or we're going to uh, make whatever change you. We're gonna cut out uh, cable television for a year. We're, We're gonna start this thing. And then once you pay off that smallest debt, then to take the money that you had on that smallest debt and move it over and pay for the second smallest debt and make a minimum payment on everything else, and then keep doing that. It's called the snowball effect until you have what you were paying on all those debts going toward one of the, your biggest debts, and it goes away quick because the snowball got bigger and bigger, and you're going to find one day that you're out of debt. A good general principle, guys, is that you don't borrow money for any non-appreciating asset. And that pretty much eliminates everything except for your home. And you, and you buy a home that you can afford, that's well within your means, but it's going to increase in value, and so it makes sense that you would do that, but no other asset you'll ever buy is an appreciating asset, and you can actually save money up and pay cash for it, and you're going to have more. But first of all, you got to get out of debt, and while you're paying all those off, take your credit cards and put them in a bowl of water and stick it in the freezer. That slows you down, by the way, when you think you've gotta have it. It's gonna slow you down a little bit. And don't use it until you're totally out of debt. And then when you're totally out of debt on depreciating assets, you can use a credit card if you keep the rule that you pay the balance off completely at the end of every month. And the first month you don't, that credit card goes back in the freezer. Does that make sense? After you give, after you save, and after you pay off your debt on depreciating asset, then and only then do you determine your lifestyle. But here's, we got it reversed, don't we? As we live whatever lifestyle, the multi-billion dollar industry that sells to us and manipulates us all the time, and then we say, oh, I'm in debt, duh, hello? Or I don't have any savings, wonder why that is. Or I just can't afford to give. I'd love to give. I love Jesus, but I can't afford to give. See, we got it reversed. Only after we determine our giving, our saving, and our debt reduction, then we determine our level of lifestyle. Let's just take that word lifestyle and just think about it. You know, we, we make budget so hard. Budget is not hard. You just take the word lifestyle and you put a number. Let's just say that at the end of After I give, after I save, and after I reduce my debt, let's just say for argument's sake, for a good round number, I've got three hundred dollars left every month. Well, I got to divide that three hundred dollars, or whatever that number is—you call it three thousand, whatever it is—you divide it among those lifestyles. The first is living; it's where you live. What is your house payment? And your house payment really shouldn't be more than 25%. Your payment on your house with taxes shouldn't be more than 25% of what your income is. The second I stands for insurance. In insurance, you need to have insurance. You don't need to have whole life insurance. You need to have term insurance. It's cheaper and it does the same thing. It's not a good saving mechanism. It's a good protection. And you hope you never have to use uh, health insurance. You hope you never have to use life insurance. At my age, I turned 70 uh, here in a few months. Uh, My kids have gone through college. Uh, I've saved enough money, as I've already described to you, to take care of my wife. If I got hit by a milk truck, uh, you say, well, they're not milk trucks anymore. Yes, they are. They're 18 wheelers. They will kill you if they run into you, okay? I don't need life insurance anymore, but we still need health insurance. So take care of the insurance. That F stands for food, and I do think God wants you to eat, so that's okay. That E stands for entertainment. And that, that probably is the last thing you look at, even though it falls in the acrostic a little bit earlier. And then S stands for seasonal, and seasonal is stuff like Christmas. By the way, Dave Ramsey says you ought to have an emergency fund. So if the refrigerator goes out, which happened to my kids this week, or if uh, you blow out a tire on your car, or the, they, they do that little measuring, they said, hey, you know, you're, it's dangerous for your wife, you need a new set of tires, you're able to not... Do, go to the credit card again and overspend. By the way, Christmas is not an emergency. It happens every year. And so when you're budgeting seasonal, it may be that you're putting back $100 a month because you know Christmas is coming. And then you don't have to pick up that credit card when Christmas comes because you plan for it, plan for your treasure. That next letter stands for transport. uh, And I really do believe you ought to buy a beater If it starts, aren't you grateful by the way that your car started this morning? Aren't you grateful? I remember being in a college and having to park on an incline so that I could pop the clutch and get the thing to start. So I'm really grateful. So we don't have to have the newest, finest smelling, coolest car, we just need to get somewhere. And you can afford somewhere to get you somewhere. And then the next letter stands for your clothes. And and by the way, there's a real opportunity for you to save some money here because see some of us have still got clothes in the closet with tags still on them because we got so many clothes in there we don't even see them and we don't wear them here's a here's a kind of a fun exercise go your closet and give away to charity everything you haven't worn in a year and what will happen is it will clear your closet out where you can actually see what you have to wear And, and if you're decent you don't have to be cool cool's overrated by the way do you know that takes way too much money way too much time cool is overrated just cover the necessary parts okay <laughs> i think that's biblical uh, but 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 you're I, I want to say something i have some regrets in my life of where i've spent money and most of them are in my clothes closet okay but i've never regretted one single penny of money that i've given to the kingdom of heaven all right and then that last letter is uh, no it's next to last is legal and taxes and you would need to plan for that again you know what's going on there and then the last category is everything else guys that's as simple as what a budget is just write the word lifestyle put those things beside it uh and then whatever is left after you give whatever is left after you save whatever is left after you're doing a reasonable debt reduction that's what you have to live on when it's reversed is when we get in trouble when it's reversed, we don't have enough money at the end of the month. We don't have to live like that with that kind of tension and that kind of conflict in our marriage. Uh, Men and women need to talk, who are married to each other, need to talk with each other about this acrostic. You need to talk about your giving. You need to talk about your savings. If you're not doing that on a monthly basis, that's why some of the conflict is there. Now, we read a scripture early that says that the the God who gives seed for the sower and bread for food will supply all of your needs so that you can have a harvest of righteousness. Here's what this is all about. If you will make your treasure and you will make a plan for your treasure, you can make a difference in this world. And guys, when, when all is said and done, and this is the guy who's 69 years old, guys, when all is said and done... All that really matters is the difference that you've made, that you've left your campsite better than what you found it. And God, one of the tools that he's given you in the toolbox to do that is your treasure. And if you consume all the seed, think about this. No farmer plants a crop and then consumes all the seed. He doesn't have anything to invest and to bless others with. The Bible says that wherever your treasure is, There your heart is also. Where's your heart today? Don't give me a bunch of churchy stuff right now. Where's your treasure today? That answers the question, doesn't it? Some of us have got some work to do. Would you just take a baby step today? Just a baby step. Let's pray together. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for your generosity to us. We acknowledge today that you're the giver of all good gifts. All things comes from you. And I pray that you would help us to be faithful with little bits so that you can entrust us with much. Help us to make a difference for your glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
2: Would you stand with me as we continue our time of prayer? You know, the biggest thing I want you to understand about living for God Thank and you. being a steward howdy, howdy. of the blessings he gives you. Oh, is that no, yes, that's not my space. I made it on you alls space. You need his blessing. So right now, well, I want to ask everybody to just bow your heads, and I want you to look into your life because I I don't take for granted in a crowd of people this size that everybody knows Jesus and has a personal relationship with him. God richly blessed all of us because he is the ultimate giver. And as you bow your head and you close your eyes and you look into your heart, I want you to understand that Jesus Christ is, God's only son. God the Father gave his only son for all of us. That's the ultimate sacrifice. And today, to be able to have a relationship with him is when you look in your heart and you realize, have I ever asked him to forgive me in my sins? Have I ever truly asked him to be the Lord of my life? You know, and a lot of people say, well, I've been baptized, Pastor. Well, Uh, If you got baptized, you never had a relationship with him. You never were born again. You went in a dry center, you come out a wet center. Baptism is evidence of what happened to your heart before you got baptized. So today, as you look into your heart, and I want you to think about this, because um, a lot of people, they don't, you know, a lot of times people think, well, I've got plenty of time. Well, that is the largest and the biggest lie that the enemy will ever tell you. But if you want the richest of blessings and the power to live out the life that God gives you in your best life now, it begins with knowing Jesus. So right now, as you have bowed your head and you close your eyes, I just want you to think with me. Do you feel Jesus Christ through his spirit knocking on your heart today? And if it is and you've never given your heart to him for the first time, just slip your hand up real quick, real high. Just shoot your hand up real quick. God bless you. God bless you. Anyone else? Anyone else? Just slip your hand up real high. Be proud of that because God, you're here because God brought you here. He wants to bless your life. He wants to to be able to give you salvation in him. Would you just pray with me and everybody pray in your own way. Father, right now we come to you in Jesus' name. We thank you, God, that you would give your son. So right now today, Lord, may all of us know him in our heart. So we ask you, Lord Jesus, to be in our hearts and lives. We ask you to forgive us of our sin. We ask you to be the Lord of our lives. Save us. And may we be a reflection of your glory in all that we do. If you've truly asked Jesus to be the Lord of your life right now, and he's touched your soul, and you feel the peace that passes understanding, thank him for that, and he'll give you his Holy Spirit who will go with you. And you and God are the majority. Thank you, Father, for what you're doing. And we praise your holy name. And thank you for this precious gift of life. We thank you for the word today from Pastor Steve and may we go out into a world and be a light. In Jesus' name we pray, and everybody says, amen. All right, let's give God praise, and we welcome Kirsten.
0: Well, good morning, Freedom. How are you guys doing today? Awesome, well, can we give it up for those, if you've given your life to Christ, can we just lift a shout? I know they're celebrating in heaven. Let's celebrate with them. Well, if you gave your life to Christ today, we want to know that. We want to be with you. We want to support you. Um, So fill that out on your connection card and go see us in the Next Steps corner across from the coffee shop. We'd love to just talk to you, pray with you, give you a Bible. Um, You don't have to walk on this journey with Christ alone. We'd love to walk with you. Um, And if you are a first time guest, that means you are our VIP. You are very important to us. And more importantly, you're very important to God. So fill out a connection card. Let us know that you are here because we want to reach out to you. If you go to the info desk directly out these doors. We have a gift for you, just thanking you for coming. um, And we're just really thankful that you decided to spend your Sunday here at Freedom. Um, We're gonna go into a time of giving. They're gonna put up ways to give on the screen. Um, And like earlier, we hope that you pray um, about your giving for GGO. It's an awesome time um, in the holidays to just give more above and beyond. And so we're gonna pray for that. But first, while you're preparing your giving, um, I'm going to talk to you about Christmas. Who's excited for Christmas? (laughs) Who has already put their Christmas tree up? Yeah, I did that super fast this year. Um, So this year we are doing Christmas a little bit different. Um, Every Sunday in December, we are going to be having different events and they're gonna throw this up on the screen and I'm gonna talk about them really fast. So December 4th, we are having crumble cookies and a huge hot chocolate bar. I have a ton of things to put in your hot chocolate. I'm very excited. And then we are gonna have two different Christmas flavor crumble cookies. On the 11th, it'll be gingerbread day and that'll be for Freedom Kids. Um, They're going to decorate gingerbread men, and we also have a bounce house um, that is shaped like a gingerbread house. And then on December 18th, we're doing the classic petting zoo, um, so you can bring your friends, your family, and pet and feed the animals, which will be fun. Um, And then on Christmas this year is on a Sunday, so we are doing... um, December 24th and 25th Christmas Eve service is at 5 p.m. And then Christmas day, we're doing a service at 10 p.m. And both of those are going to be family services. So your whole family can join us in the auditorium, kids, everybody. So we're really excited about that. Now on your way out, we're gonna have invite cards. So make sure to invite everybody you know to come join us on Christmas. Every Sunday is gonna be awesome. I'm very excited about it. So I'm gonna pray over offering and then you guys are free to enjoy your Sunday. Dear Lord, thank you for this beautiful day. Um, Thank you for the opportunity to just give above and beyond what we would usually give for the holidays so we can bless other people. Um, I pray that you would bless this offering no matter where it goes, it's in your hands. Um, God, I pray that you would protect us and guide us as this week goes on and it's in your precious name I pray, amen. Amen, enjoy your week.